Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3. As Pastor Rick said, if you came this morning and did not bring a Bible with you, there should be one in the chair rack in front of you that you can borrow for the service. We'll be turning to several scriptures together. Many of the Bible verses we'll have on the screen on the sides, but I hope that you'll use a Bible if you have one with you. I'll be calling the page numbers for those using a church Bible. Let me say as a church uh, pastor, we believe the Bible. We believe the Bible to be the Word of God. We believe the Bible to be the inspired and inerrant Word of God, and we use it every service, and uh, we're glad to have you. By the way, if you're here today because uh, of Friend Day, welcome. We have many visitors today because you invited as someone friend. Thank you so much for coming and uh, being here for this special service. My friend and his wife, Mike, and Karen McKnight are right over here, come as a, my guest today. And many of you recognize Mike. I didn't recognize him first. He didn't have his vest on or his uniform. I didn't recognize him first, but he's our officer outside many times. I invited him also. Peter, many of you know Peter, was not able to come. I invited him also. But Mike and Karen, thank you for coming. Be my guest today. And also, my wife invited Debbie. Thank you for coming, Debbie. Good to have you with us, too. I know many others here today as our guests. We're so glad to have you on this very special day called Friend Day. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 24, it says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You know, there are times when even family members might go, uh, turn against you, forsake you. But my friend, there is one person who will never leave you nor forsake you. His name is Jesus Christ. He is indeed a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. In fact, the Bible goes on to say in John 15, 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Jesus proved that we are his friends to the degree that he laid down his life on the cross, died to pay for our sins so we can go to heaven to be with him. We have a friend in Jesus. But this morning I'd like to talk, the title of my message is called The Greatest News in All the World. How many like good news? I don't know about you, I love good news. This is the greatest news in all the world. And it's mentioned here in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Look at the verse again, page 1588, if you use your church Bible. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. It says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This verse is made up of bad news and good news. I remember a time when I was a high school student, I received bad news and good news all in one day. In fact, it was one hour. I'll never forget it. I went to high school in Dane City, Florida. I lived in Land Lakes since 1968. At that time, there was no high school or junior high in Land Lakes. All they had was Sanders across the street, went through sixth grade. If you was a high school, junior high, you had to go all the way to Dane City to go to high school. So we went over there to high school. And my senior year, I had three other friends, buddies. The name was Bill, Stephen, Paul. We hung around together, best friends, always did things together. And we go to school together. Every morning at the beginning before school started, we always met the same place. We can have a little time to enjoy each other and just have a fun time before school started. And this particular morning, I went up to my locker, which is where we usually hung out before school started, went to my locker, and Bill's locker was right beside mine. And as I get in the locker, I accidentally stepped on Bill's foot. And so when I went looking, I took my books, put them on the floor, and he stepped on my foot. <laughs> and then when he wasn't looking, I went over there and I stepped on his foot. 
And all of a sudden, the bell rung. It's time to go to class. And I reached over to get my books. And boy, did he ever step on my foot. Boom! He stomped my foot flat. And he ran. Now, his class was just the opposite of mine. So I could not chase him without being tardy in school. And so what I did, the last thing he heard from me is, Bill, I'm going to get you. And so he ran to his class laughing. I walked to my class kind of, uh, kind of uh, limping because he flattened my foot. And all that morning, I was thinking of a way to get back at Bill because my toe was hurting bad. And so uh, we also met every uh, day right before lunchroom. And we could eat together. And I no doubt Bill knew I was going to get him because the last thing he heard was from me, Bill, I'm going to get you. And so I always came from the same direction to meet the, my friends for lunch. And so what I did, I went around the opposite side of the building. I wanted to catch Bill off guard. So I remember Bill had on a pair of black slacks with a cuff. How many remember cuffs? Remember cuffs? Uh, cuffs and also a black shoe with a uh, silver buckle on it. And I was thinking about that all morning long because I wanted to stomp that foot. <laughs> and so I come around the building, and all of a sudden, I remember he usually stood at the corner of the building. I come around the building, and all of a sudden, I saw a pants leg with a, 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 a black loafer, a black shoe sticking out, and it was just like Bill's. And I thought it was Bill's. So what I did, I ha ha, and I ran and jumped real hard, and both feet right on his foot, stomped it flat, and I, I looked in the face, and I said, gotcha. But it wasn't Bill. It was the dean of the school. <laughs> the dean was that was right in the corner where the men's restroom was. He was looking in the window of the restroom trying to catch the boys smoking because that was against the rules. And all of a sudden, while he was looking in the window, all of a sudden, some student stomped his foot flat and looked right in the face. So what did I do? <laughs> I didn't know what to do. And so I thought about running. But lo and behold, Bill was right there watching the whole thing. You know what Bill did? He goes, Nito, Dave, Nito. <laughs> so I, I just ran. And all of a sudden, the dean says, come back here, come back here. I ran. I thought about leaving, going home. I did not go to lunch because I thought he might find me there. So I, uh, I, I was hoping he'd forget about it. <laughs> so I did go to the next class right after lunch. And here comes the bad news. <laughs> Over the loudspeaker, David Peterson, come to the office, please. David Peterson, come to the office. And I knew exactly what that meant. So every eye was looking at me because the loudspeaker, the whole class, and I walked out. And I felt like going to the principal's office. I felt like the, uh, maybe the prisoner who was sentenced to death, execution, walking from his cell to the place he was going to be electrocuted. Walking that distance to that office, it just seemed like forever. I walked in the office, and of course, you go in, first of all, the secretary's office, and she said, young man, can I help you? I said, my name is David Peterson, right there, <laughs> and pointed at the principal's office. He, she knew why I was there, and I very slowly walked in the office. Walked in the office, the principal was stand, sitting behind his desk, and over to the left was the dean sitting in a chair. His pants leg rolled up to his knee. His, he had a bandage all over his shin because I tore the shin off his skin off his shin off the instep and tore the buckle off his shoe. <laughs> I did a good job. <laughs> and so the principal looked at me and said, Mr. Peterson, you have some explaining to do. And so I didn't know what, I said, my dad taught me to never lie. 
So I began to tell him the whole story. I told him the story exactly just what I told you. And when I got to the point when I saw the foot sticking out of the corner, going to stomp on it and jump at it, look at it, the principal <laughs> The principal starts laughing. And the dean says, what are you laughing at? And the principal says, that's the funniest thing I ever heard. <laughs> Long story short is, I wasn't a bad student. I never went to the office. I never got in trouble at all. And the principal says, Mr. Peterson, I know you didn't do this on purpose. You're not a bad student. I just want to encourage you, don't ever do that again. <laughs> I said, no, sir, I won't. He said, well, thank you. You may go. That's all that happened. From that terrible news to being called in the office to the news, you can go. Bad news to good news. And that was wonderful news. And so I am so grateful. By the way, the dean became my best friend after that. And, and so good news and bad news. But this verse here has bad news and good news. Before we do that, I want you to notice as a contrast to some words in the verse. Look at the verse again. The verse says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ Lord. Now notice a contrast to four words. The first two words are the words wages and gift. By the way, in your church bulletin, there's an insert there. If you'd like to take notes, write things down, I encourage you to fill in the blanks. The answers will be on the screen up there. But notice it says here, wages and the gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Notice wages are something that you earn. Many of you have a job where you have a paycheck you get once a week or every other week. You get wages for the things you've done. You've labor, you've done for that company, that person. That's wages. Wages is something that you earn. The contrast here is the word gift. Gift is something that is given to you freely. Wages are earned. Gift is given freely. Now, the true definition of a gift is this. It's something purchased at someone else's expense but given to you freely. The Bible says the wage, what we've earned because we've sinned from God, is death. We've earned that. But, it's <laughs> good news. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. God offers you eternal life forgiveness as a free gift. It's given to you freely at no expense to you. For example, ladies, if your husband came to you on your birthday and had a big, beautifully wrapped present with your name on a beautiful bow, and when time for you to receive presents during your birthday comes up to give it to you and says, honey, this is my gift to you, my present. Here it is. And you reach out and he pulls it back. He said, this is my gift to you, but you have to mow the lawn and wash the car every time it needs it next year. You go, wait a minute. That's not a gift. That's something I've earned. And truly, it would not be a gift. But if he purchased it at his expense, give it to you, and all you do is just receive it. And it's yours, my friend, that's a gift. The Bible says the wages of sin. We have earned death because we've sinned. But God has a present for you, a gift. It's called eternal life. But notice now there's another contrast. Not only wages and a gift, but also death and life. Death and life. It says the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life. First of all, I want you to notice sin brings death. The wages of sin is death. A verse will be on the screen there for you. It says, But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, 
And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what? Death. Sin brings death. But hallelujah, God gives life. God gives life. In John 10, 10, Jesus Christ said, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Even though our sin brings judgment and death from God, Jesus Christ came to pay the penalty for us and offer you eternal life. The gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So let's go to the news now. We saw the contrast between wages and a gift and death and life. Now look at the bad news. I'm going to begin with the bad news because the Bible begins with bad news. Then we'll get to the good news. Someone said good news without bad news is no news at all. And you really can't appreciate the good news until you fully understand the bad news. So let's talk about the bad news mentioned here. The first one, the bad news is this. The Bible says all men are sinners. All men are sinners. In Romans, if you still have your Bibles there, go to chapter 3, please. You can keep your finger in chapter 6. Go to chapter 3, Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. It makes a statement that if we're honest, we'd all have to agree with that all men are sinners. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. Look what it says. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to misread this verse. I'm going to do it on purpose to help you understand what it says. Someone said you can better understand the Bible when you realize what it does not say. And look at the verse with me, Romans 3, 23. It says, for most have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Does it say that? It says, for many have sinned. No, what's it say? For all. You know what that means? That means... I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we all have sinned. Let me explain to you what the word sin means. The word sin means miss the mark. Let's suppose when you came in this morning, you received a bulletin from one of the ushers, and with that bulletin, you received a dart. How many of you ever played darts before? And then when you came in, you saw a big dart board on the wall here, and it said, attach that dart, so we're going to play darts, so whoever hits the bullseye gets $1,000. Would you like to play? So we all line up with our darts and trying to hit the bullseye because you had to hit the bullseye to get $1,000. And everybody threw their darts. When it was all done, the dart board was full of darts. The wall was full of darts. And some people didn't hit the wall. The floor was full of darts. But nobody hit the bullseye. One person was half an inch and one was 15 feet from it. But who would get the $1,000? Nobody because they all missed the mark. You know, God has set a standard, a mark to get to heaven. To go to heaven, you and I have to be as righteous, as perfect as God. But the Bible says, for all have sinned, missed the mark of what God requires, come short of the glory of God. Another example. Have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? The Grand Canyon, some of it, the one side of it is over a mile apart. The Grand Canyon is that deep. And suppose we all went there and we lined up on one side, and I gave you a rock. Said, so see if you can hit the other side. And we all threw, some of us got closer than others, but we all missed the mark. The mark for heaven is perfection, holiness, righteousness. And my friend, if we're honest, we all miss that mark, have we not? For all have sinned. Look on the screen there, please. Another verse, Ecclesiastes 7.20. For there is not a just man upon the earth, that doeth good and sinneth not. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 9, it said, Who can say I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. Nobody can say that, because we all have sinned. Now, here's a real eye-opener. Look at the next verse with me. 
Isaiah 64, 6. When I first saw this, it really helped me understand my condition uh, outside of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 64, look at it. You're going to see the word all here again. It says, but we are, how many? All as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we do all, we all do faint as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Notice what this verse says. First of all, it says here that we all are unclean. My friend, God is clean. He's pure. He's righteous. He's holy. The Bible says God is light. In him is no darkness at all. But the Bible says we are all what? Unclean. Compared to God, we are unclean. But read on. It goes on to say, and all our, notice that word there, righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Listen carefully. It didn't say all our sins are as filthy rags. It didn't say all our iniquities are filthy rags. It says all our righteousnesses. That means before a person saved, the very best they can do is filthy rags in God's sight. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Now, let me explain to you what filthy rags means. In the Bible, it's used two ways. The word filthy rags is used as menstrual rags, but it's also used as grave clothes. In the Bible times, when a person died, they had wrapped them like a mummy. I mean, they did that Christ. They called it the shroud of Christ. And they didn't have the embalming methods we have today. So what they did, people would anoint the cloth, the wrap, the mummy, the cloth they're wrapped in, for, uh, so people can view the body, have viewings. And so remember when Jesus Christ died, Mary came to anoint the body with oil, the perfume there. So people would come and view the body to show their respects. And, and, but how, what does a body do after maybe several days or several months? It decays. It begins to, may I use the word, rot. Then all the juices of that decaying body saturates that cloth. Then after a month or so, you imagine what the cloth smelled like? <laughs> Just the other day, I was going home from work, the back road, going to my house. And all of a sudden, I had my windows down because it was such a nice day. And I was like, oh, what? what is that odor? And it was a dead uh, deer side the road. Someone hit. And, and it was all decayed. And the odor was so bad, I had to roll my windows up. It's terrible. And what it's saying here, before we come to Christ, the very best we can do, our righteousness are as those stinking, smelly grave clothes. And so many times, people, if you were to stand before God, and God would ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What answer would you give him? Many would begin to list off all the good things they've done. I did this, I went to church, I prayed, I was good, I was honest, I was moral, I helped people in need. All the good things, all the righteous deeds, they lay before God and say, God, because of this, you ought to let me in your heaven. What does God see? A pile of filthy, stinking rags. And what's tragic people? Many are trusting their filthy rags to get them to heaven. They're trusting their, that they're going to be good enough to get to heaven. God says our righteousness are as a filthy rag before God. My friend, we're all, all sinners. But the question is, what is sin? Now, sin means missed the mark, but what is sin? One person who did not know the Bible very well and not what the Bible said, they thought sin was the terrible things people do. Rob a bank, shoot a person, murder a person, rape. These are terrible things, and they are sin. But what is sin? Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But notice here, 
Look on your screen there, please. It defines, and here the Bible gives a definition of sin. 1 John 3, 4. For whosoever committeth sin also transgresseth the law. For sin is a transgression of the law. So the transgression means breaking or violating God's laws. What does God's law say? In fact, the other day, a few weeks ago, I went on vacation with my wife, and I was driving up 75 going to North Carolina, and I was doing the speed limit. And all of a sudden, a person, boom, passed me like I was standing still. And I was doing 70, the limit. He must have been doing 85, 90 miles an hour. I said, boy, that guy's breaking the law. And all of a sudden, about two miles down the road, he was beside the road with a highway patrol behind him flashing his lights and writing him a ticket. He's going to pay the fine because he broke the law. He transgressed the law of man. But the Bible says our sin is a transgression of God's laws. You realize there's over 600 laws in the Old Testament? And we break them all the time. But the law that we're most familiar with is called the Ten Commandments. You heard of the Ten Commandments? Let me give you a few of them. Let's find out how we are this morning, okay? First of all, Deuteronomy chapter 5. What does the law say? Deuteronomy 5.17 says this. Thou shalt not kill. The word kill means murder. Thou shalt not murder. You say, Pastor, I've never murdered anyone. Wonderful. I hope you don't. But notice what it says in 1 John chapter 3.15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a what? Murder. What God said in God's sight, not only is the act of murder sin, if I hate my brother, I'm guilty of murder. And have you ever hated someone before? Another one, verse 18, neither shalt thou commit adultery. See, pastor, I never committed adultery, but listen to this verse. Matthew 5, 27, 28. 27 says, you have heard that it was said of them old time, thou shalt not commit adultery, verse 28. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already in his heart. Men, have you ever done that before? I think we all have at times. So not only is the act of adultery sin, even to look upon a woman with lust is called adultery. How are you doing so far? Let me give you two more. Verse 19, neither shalt thou steal. Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you? Rob a car, a bank? Take a penny, a pencil, answer off someone else's test? I think we all have. We've taken things that do not belong to us many times. We all have stolen. Another one, Deuteronomy 5.20, Neither shalt thou bear false witness, thou shalt not lie. Have you ever told a lie? You ever said something that was not true? You ever said, I called fish as big, but he said it was this big? <laughs> you stretched it, we called it a fib, stretched it to it. My friend, it's a lie. My friend, if you've lied... If you stole, if you committed adultery, if you murder, the Bible says you've broken God's laws. That's what, that is what the Bible says is sin. Now, so the first, let me say this. We're going to look at bad news and good news. The bad news has three points. The good news has three points. So the first point of bad news is this, we're all sinners. The second point of bad news is there's a penalty for sin. There's a penalty for sin, the word penalty means punishment or price. Because we have broken God's laws and violated his word, we deserve punishment from God. In Romans, you have your, Romans chapter 3, we read the verse. It says, the wages of sin is what? Because we have sinned, we have earned judgment, death from God. 
That's the penalty of sin. Ezekiel 18.20, it says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. If you would please, look in Romans chapter 5. You got your Bibles? Romans chapter 5. Now, don't let me lose you, okay? I'm going somewhere with all this, so keep with me, would please. Romans chapter 5. Look in verse 12. Romans 5, verse 12. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. Who was that man? Adam. God took Adam and Eve, created them, and placed them in the garden, in a beautiful garden, and said, you can eat of any tree of the garden but one. He gave him one prohibition. He said, you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And what did they do? Like us, they disobeyed. They took of the forbidden fruit. Wherefore, by one man sin in the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Look up here, please. Every one of us are sinners three different ways. By birth, by nature, and by choice. The Bible says we are born sinners. When Adam sinned, all his descendants inherited a sinful nature from him. David said in the book of Psalms, he said, Iniquity was I shapen, and sin did my mother conceive me. We're born in sin. We're all sinners by birth. I remember I shared this news many years ago in our church. And there was a mother, brand new mother, had a baby, her first child, a little boy, for eight days. And she was here on Sunday. Her son was in the nursery. She was in church. And I was sharing with the audience, that, that congregation, that we're all born sinners. And at the end of the service, she waited. Everybody had left. She came up to me and got in my face. She says, Pastor, how dare you tell my little baby boy he's a sinner? And I thought to myself, give him time. You'll, <laughs> you'll find very quickly your son's a sinner. For those of you that have children, how many of you had to teach them to be bad? you got to teach your children to be good. They're bad by nature. They're born that. We are born with a bent on doing wrong. We're sinners by birth, by nature, and also by choice. We've all chosen to do wrong. We all have sinned. Now, it says the penalty of sin is death. So the question is, what is death? The penalty of my sin is death. What is death? And the Bible speaks about, look up here, please, two kinds of deaths. But let me back up. The Bible also speaks about two kinds of births. There's a physical birth and a spiritual birth. We're all born physically. I was born physically the first time, September 15th, 1953. Now, if you're calculating, I'm 70 years old, okay? Born the first time physically. But the Bible says to go to heaven, you need to be born again. The second birth. The second birth is when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're born physically, then you're born spiritually. But the Bible also talks about two kinds of deaths. There is a physical death and a spiritual death. A person dies physically. Please listen. When you die physically, you do not cease to exist. You live on somewhere forever. Though your body may cease to function, you live on somewhere forever. The Bible, death in the Bible means separation. When you die physically, your soul and spirit separates from your body. As a Christian, absent from the body is what? Present with the Lord. Praise the Lord. But die there. <laughs> I remember one time I read a 
tombstone. I got it on my old Bibles, tombstone saying. They don't call them tombstone, they call them grave markers now. But tombstone, over in England, a man by the name of Solomon Pease, P-E-A-S, on his tombstone said this, underneath the clouds, underneath the trees, lies the body of Solomon Pease. This is not Pease, only his pod. Pease is shout out and go home to God. <laughs> I like that, don't you? And there was another tombstone right beside his, and on someone inscribed, it said, remember, Finn, as you pass by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you must be. Prepare for death and follow me. Someone got a marker and scratched underneath of, underneath of it. To follow you, I'm not content to know which way you went. <laughs> How true that is. But anyway, death in the Bible means separation. We're all going to die one day physically. That's the first death. But what is the second death? Remember, the first one's physical, the second one's spiritual. Look on the screen there, please. It explains the second death. Revelation 21, verse 8. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and idolaters. Now, those are all big sins. But read the next one. And all what? Liars. That's all of us. Shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the what? Second death. Now, come here. Two kinds of births, physical and spiritual. Two kinds of deaths. The first death is physical. You die physically and your spirit separates from your body. If you're saved, you go to heaven. If you're not saved, my friend, the Bible says you're cast in a place called hell. This is the second death. So listen, if you're born once, you'll die twice. If you're born twice, you'll die once. <laughs> Make sense to you? If you're born once physically but never trust Christ as Savior, you'll die physically and spiritually and go to a place called hell. But if you're born again, you're only going to die once. You die physically, and you go directly to heaven. That's what death means. Now, bad news. Remember, there's a penalty of sin. The penalty of sin. There's a penalty for sin. We're all sinners. There's a penalty of sin. And the last bad news, and it gets worse before it gets better, by the way. Man cannot save or deliver himself. Man cannot save or deliver himself. In other words, look over here, please, again. Can I use myself? I'm a sinner like you. I've broken God's laws in my life. I've broken his commandments. And because of that, I've earned death from God. I earned his judgment. I deserve to go to a place called hell. And the Bible says I cannot do anything to save myself. My works, my conduct cannot save me. Let me show you a verse. When I first saw this verse, my eyes bugged down on stems. Because <laughs> different, and I, I always heard. Look at the screen there, please. Ephesians 2, 8, 8 and 9. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the what? Gift of God, not of works. Look at that. Lest any man should boast. The Bible says God saves a person by his grace. Grace means undeserved, unmerited favor. And this salvation is not of yourself. For by grace you save through faith. It's not of yourself, not anything you do yourself. It is a gift from God. And verse 9 says, not of works, lest you should boast about it. If your works, your behavior got you to heaven, when you got there, you go, whoo, look at me. I was so good. I walked the walk. I talked the talk. And here I am. You could boast about it. But since it's a gift, all you can say is thank you. It's a gift from God. 
Over and over again, the Bible teaches this. And this is so contrary to what many churches teach. Look on the screen again, please. 2 Timothy 1.9. It said, who have saved us, delivered us from the penalty of our sin, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our what? Works. Titus 3.5. What's the first three words? Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to mercy, he has saved us. Here's a question for you. Why? Won't your righteous deeds save you? First of all, what does God think of your righteousness? Filthy rags. And the next reason, no matter how good you try to be, you can never be good enough. Heaven's perfect. And no matter how good I be, I cannot be perfect alone. I can't reach that standard. So I can't save myself. My uh, righteousness, God says, is filthy rags. And I can never be good enough. And also, good works won't pay for sin. The wages of sin is what? Death, not good works. So the bad news is, look up here, please. We're all sinners. We all owe penalty. And we cannot save ourselves. Let's go to the good news. Remember, the good news is no, without bad news, there's no news at all. Real quickly. First of all, the good news, Jesus Christ paid the penalty of our sin. Jesus Christ paid the penalty of our sin. Do you still have your Bibles? Look in Romans chapter 5 again. Romans chapter 5. Jesus Christ paid the penalty that we owe. Romans 5 in verse 6, please. Romans 5 verse 6. It says in verse 6, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for what? Who's the ungodly? That's us. When we were without any strength ability to save ourselves, God sent his Son to pay the debt for us. It goes on to say in verse 7, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But verse 8, But God commendeth, that means demonstrated his love toward who? Us. In that while we were yet sinners, what's happened? Christ died for us. Look up here, please. The penalty of sin that you've earned from God, Jesus paid on the cross. He died in your place and paid for your sin. Another verse. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ hath also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. It goes on to say in 1 John 3, verse 16, be on the screen. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Why? Because he laid down his life for who? For us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. Here it is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The word propitiation means payment. My friend, God loves you. Though he said, the soul that sinneth it shall die. He doesn't want you to die to pay for your sin, so he provided a substitute. He sent his son to pay the penalty for you. And another verse I want to look at quickly, and I want to show an illustration with you. Then we're going to try to wrap it up here quickly. Isaiah 53, look on the screen, please. I want to show an illustration I want to use this morning. It says, verse 6, Isaiah 53, verse 6, it says, All we like sheep have what? Gone astray. We have turned, how many? Everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid up on him the iniquity of us all. Look up here, please. It begins talking about the bad news. It says, all, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've all gone astray what God's word teaches, astray when he tells us how to live, we've gone astray. And we've turned everyone to his own way. We've lived our own way and not God's way. 
But it goes on to say, that's the bad news. Here's the good news. However, the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. What that means, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, there on the cross, God took your sin and laid it upon him. Though he never sinned, he became sin for you. And God the Father punished him for what you have done wrong. Look up here, please. Illustration. Let this hand represent each one of us here today, and my wallet represents sin. How many of us are sinners? All of us. Here we are. Here's our sin. The Bible says God loves us. He loves sinners. I'm glad that's me. But he hates our what? Sin. And the reason God hates your sin, to go to heaven, you have to be without sin. Not one sin will ever enter the presence of God. Let this hand represent Jesus Christ. The Bible says our sin separates us from God. And we're all sinners. And because we sin, the wages of our sin is death, which means to die and go to a place called hell. And my friend, we cannot save ourselves. Our good works or good deeds will not pay for sin when it gets to heaven. But here's what God did. That's the bad. Here's the good news. God says, I love you. Maybe your name is Bill, Bill Fold. Okay? He says, Bill, I love you, but I hate your sin. I don't want you to pay for it by going to hell. He said, I'm going to send a substitute. I'm going to send someone to pay it for you. And the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, the son of God, came to this earth, lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross. When he died on the cross, though he never sinned, here's what happened. God took that which separates us from him, off of us upon him. He laid our sins upon him. And God punished him for what we've done wrong. He died in our place, was buried, and he rose again and offers you eternal life as a free gift. The good news is that Jesus Christ paid the penalty of our sin. The next point, quickly. Forgiveness and eternal life is given to those who believe. Forgiveness and eternal life is given to those who believe. God is a forgiving God. How many grateful that God is a forgiving God? Psalm 130, look on the screen. If thou, O Lord, if thou, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who should stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Another one, Acts 13, 38, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, Jesus Christ, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe shall be justified from all things. So God's a forgiving God. So forgiveness, eternal life, is given to those who believe. God gives eternal life to those who believe. Have you ever believed or trusted Christ your Savior? Remember, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. Let me quote a verse for you for sake of time. How many know John 3.16? A verse, in fact, you probably see the reference in many football games. You see somebody's big banner, John 3.16. Here's what it says. It says, for God so loved the that's you and I, that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? everlasting life. Let me explain to you what the word believe means before we wrap it up. Believe means, in the Bible, means to trust in, to rely upon. Here's a problem. Many people are raised in a Christian home. They're all taught about the Bible, taught about Jesus Christ, and they say, Pastor, I've always believed in Jesus Christ. But the problem is they believe in Jesus Christ like they do George Washington. Let me ask you a question. How many of you believe in George Washington? He's a historical figure, the first president of the United States. It's true. But how many would trust him to take you to heaven? You go, wait a minute. <laughs> That's a whole different story. 
The sad thing is many people believe in Jesus like they do George Washington, that he's a historical figure. Listen carefully. Historically, he was born on the earth of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. He was a son of God. He died on the cross for people's sins. He was buried and rose again. You can believe all those facts and still not go to heaven. But you must take, believe the facts and now trust him to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. When I understood that Christ died for me, historically on the cross, he died for me, paid for my sins. They know what I did? By the act of my will, I chose to trust him to save me. That's what brings salvation. Whosoever believeth trust in him should not perish, means you will not go to hell, but have everlasting life. Have you ever done that before? Can I share with you one more verse? Then we'll wrap this up. This is the good news, the greatest news of all. It's, I believe, the verse, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It's 1 John chapter 5, all the way to the back of your Bible, page 1718. And we'll close with this verse. Thank, thank you for bearing with me. 1 John chapter 5. Remember the good news, three parts. Jesus Christ paid the penalty of our sin. Forgiveness and eternal life are given to those who believe. And this last one I want to share with you, then a quick story, and we'll close. 1 John 5, look in verse 11. 1 John 5, 11. Page 17, 18, if you use the church Bible. It says, this is the record that God hath given to us, what? Eternal life, and this life, where? Is in his Son. Look up here, please. Eternal life is not in a church. It's not in a set of rules. It's not in a membership. It's in a person, Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say in verse 12, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God has not life. So if there's ever been a time in your life that you have trusted, received Christ as Savior, the Bible says you have what? Everlasting life. If you've never trusted Him, you have not life. But for those of you that believe, look in verse 13, please. These things, what things? He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have written unto you that what? So if you're here today and you have believed in Christ as your Savior, those that believe in the name of the Son of God, read them. It says that you may what? Know that you have eternal life. And if you never trusted Christ, it's written that you might believe in the name of the Son of God. Look over here, please. Close your Bibles. Quick illustration, a quick story. A story I never forget. God tells us when we understand that we're sinners, we owe penalty and we can't save ourselves. We understand that Jesus Christ died to pay for our sin and he will forgive us and give us eternal life if we believe. The Bible said if you trust Christ's Savior, you are given eternal life. It's a present possession of all belief. And the Bible says you can know it. So let me ask you a question. If you were to die today or 10 years from today, do you know for certain without a shadow of a doubt that you'd go to heaven? If not, you can know. Quick story I want to share with you. When I was in Bible college, I went to a place called Florida Bible College down in Hollywood, Florida, back in the 70s. I worked in a ministry that was called the Miami Rescue Mission. The Miami Rescue Mission was very busy during the winter months because the homeless people, those without a place to live, would come from the north down to the south, down to Miami because it's much warmer down there. And the rescue mission would provide a meal, hot meal, and a place to stay for those without a, uh, without a home. And so I worked in a ministry called Miami Rescue Mission. But before they could get a hot meal, they had to listen to a gospel message. And so my job as a, a student, I did not give the message. 
but was to be, befriend those that were visiting, the homeless people. So I stand outside the door, welcome, and say, please come in. We're glad to have you and come in. And so they came in one by one. And all of a sudden, a man came in. I found out later his name was Ted. Ted came in. He was wearing a trench coat. He had long gray hair, scraggly hair, a big old beard. And, and the body odor took my breath away. Just I lived down the streets. And I noticed on his skin, pigment, a lot of the pigment was missing because of alcohol. He was a man who once had made six figures, a very successful businessman who had lost it all because of alcohol. He lost his job, lost his family, living on the streets. His name was Ted. Ted, I said, come on in. And I sat with Ted. Our job was trying to be a friend and make him feel comfortable. And during that, when they sit there, they heard a message. And Ted heard what Jesus Christ did for him on the cross. Heard the message, the gospel that I just shared with you. And the speaker gave them opportunity to trust Christ. And they could pray to receive Christ right where they're at. And the speaker asked those who did that, would you raise your hand? I noticed, guess what? Ted raised his hand. And he came, he trusted Christ. So after it was all done, we went from the meeting room now to the place where the meals were. We all went in there. It was probably two or 300 people. And I went in, I went in with Ted, and I sat down with Ted, talking a little bit. And, and, I, and during the meal, he was eating the meal. I said, Ted, I noticed during the service when the pastor gave a message that you indicated you trusted Christ. But raise your hand. Ted, did you do that? He said, yes, I did. I said, Ted, if you die today, would you go to heaven? He said, I sure hope so. So I took this verse, 1 John 5, 13. I said, Ted, did you believe in Christ's Savior? Yes, I did. It said, Ted, these things have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. It says that you may what, Ted? Read it. That you may know you have eternal life. Ted, best upon this verse, and you trust Christ, you die today, would you go to heaven? Maybe. Ted, let's read it again. <laughs> what does it say, Ted? These things have been written unto you that believe in the name of God that you may hope, maybe, that you may what? No. Ted, if you die today, would you go to heaven? I think so. Ted, read it again. <laughs> These things have written unto you that believe in the name of God that you may not hope, not guess, not wonder, not think, but no. The light bulb went off. And his eyes got this big. He says, I can know it. You know what he did? I never forget. He jumped up and his chair fell backwards. He goes, Whoo! I'm going to heaven. I know it. And he ran around the whole place shouting, I know I'm going to heaven. <laughs> and he came back and sat down. And he, because he trusted Christ. And after it was all said and done, I had to go back to school and he had to go back where he was living. I said, Ted, you know, if I never see you again, I'll see you in heaven, right? He said, Yes, you will. By the way, I, I never saw Ted again. But I will one day. He won't be wearing a trench coat. He won't be stinky and smelly. His skin won't be spatulous because of alcohol. He have a new body that Christ gave him because he trusted Christ as Savior. My friend, have you done that? Has there ever been a time in your life that you trusted Christ as your Savior? If not, why not do it today? You can do it right now. You can get it all settled. You can leave this service, go out those doors, like Ted did, I know I'm going to heaven because Christ died for me and I've trusted him to be my Savior. Would you do that today? Let's bow together, please. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, as we conclude our service, thank you for your time, your attention. 
I'd like to extend an invitation to you that that preacher did to those people homeless in that room. He extended an invitation for them to receive Christ as their Savior. And many did. Ted did. My question is, would you do that? If you have already trusted Christ, my friend, heaven's your home. That's settled, certain, that will never change. But maybe you have never personally placed your trust in Christ to be your Savior. My friend, you can do it right now. Right where you're sitting, you can talk to God. Only God knows your thoughts. You cannot go wrong. And you can trust in Christ to be your Savior. If you like to do that, why not talk to God and say something like this? Let me lead you in prayer. Talk to God in your own thoughts and maybe say something like this. Just say, Dear God of heaven, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, that I've broken your laws and commandments, and I deserve your judgment. But God, I believe that Jesus died in my place and paid my sin debt. I believe he was judged in my place. He died for me. He was buried, and I believe he rose again. And right here today, I want to trust him to save me and forgive me and give me eternal life. Since I cannot save myself, I'm trusting Christ to save me and forgive me and give me a home in heaven. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, my friend, did that make sense to you? Did you trust Christ as your Savior today? If you did, according to the Bible, right now, heaven's your home. God saves you. He delivers you from that penalty of your sin the moment you do that. But I'd like to know if anyone did that today. I want to pray for those who made that decision. So with heads bowed and eyes are closed, if what I said made sense to you, and you prayed with me to put your trust in Christ as Savior, with heads bowed and eyes are closed, would you simply raise your hand in case you did that today? You want it all? God bless you. God bless you. You put your hand down. Pastor, it made sense to me. I trusted Christ. Now, I won't have you forward. I'm not going to point you out. All I will do is pray for you. So if you did that today the first time and you trusted Christ, anyone else? Here's my hand, Pastor. I understood that. I, too, trusted Christ. Would you pray for me? Anyone at all? Anyone else? That made sense. God bless you. Anyone else? That made sense to me. Would you pray for me, too, Pastor? Amen. Father in heaven, thank you for several here today. But in case my hand indicated that they trusted you as their Savior. Heaven is now their home. And according to the Bible, they can know that they have eternal life. That is a promise you give them, and you cannot lie. So we rejoice that many have trusted Christ as their Savior. And I pray, Father, for those that do know Christ as Savior, but take this good news and share it with others. There's so many people out today that don't know heaven's their home. But we have the good news of what Christ did for us. Help us to share the gospel with others, that others too might come to know Christ as their Savior. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.